Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and thank you so much for joining today. It's just so wonderful to have you here. I'm excited to tell you that I'm opening up my Ancient Breathing 2.0 course again. It's an online course that will teach you all about the Hatha Pradipitaka, the uh, text that describes and teaches Hatha Yoga practices. Basically, you get to learn from me. It's six weeks long and eight modules. There's two bonus modules in the course. We'll go over all of the practices, all of the different pranayama practices that I've learned from my teacher, Sri O.P. Tiwari, and also that are found in the Hatha Pradipika. You'll get demos of most of the Kriyas, as well as looking at Ayurveda, the ancient science of India, medical science of India, and how different breath practices affect the doshas, the vata, pitta, kapha. So um, you'll learn how different breathing exercises can benefit or also be a detriment to your constitution. So it's a really wonderful course, very informative. We practice together each week. The practice will build on itself until at the very end, you will get your own personal practice. So I hope that you join. Uh, Classes, live classes will start February 27th, but you have until February 21st to sign up. Um, If you'd like to just sort of give it a little test, I'm offering a free breathwork or pranayama masterclass. It will be this Sunday coming up, February 13th. And this is going to talk about three easy steps for you to cultivate a breathwork practice that you love for yourself. Um, We're going to talk about some of the science, why breathwork works, understanding how to deepen your own yoga practice through pranayama and through breathing. And I'll give you some ideas of where to start if you don't know where to start and what practices to uh, add into your morning routine. So I would love for you to join the free masterclass. It's on Sunday, February 13th. Head over to my website. You'll find a link right on the homepage to sign up. It's good for everyone. So share with your friends and your family. And then also I would love for you to join, of course, my Ancient Breathing 2.0 course and the classes. They will be on Sundays, um, of course, If you can't join live, all of the classes are recorded, so you don't need to worry. They'll end up in the online course uh, platform or portal where you'll also find PDFs, audio recordings, and video recordings of each of the practices. So it's a a wonderful course with um, many, many students have really enjoyed it, and it's one of the best ways to practice with me and to start a pranayama practice. And one huge benefit is that when you sign up and join the course, you get to take the classes with me continuously each time I offer it. So I hope that you'll join. And without further ado, I would love for you to just sit back, relax, and listen to this really hysterical conversation that's full of interesting facts and um, 
Food for Thought with our beautiful friend Yan Ong. Warning, the following program contains scenes with coarse language and nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm so happy that you're here listening today with us. I'm joined by Russell Kay. I'm so excited. We have a Brazilian underwear model on the show today. <laughs> no, we it don't. says here it's uh, Giselle Bootkin. Booch. No, wrong, wrong show notes. Wrong no, Brazilian show notes. underwear model. That's what it said. That's what the maybe a someone sent Malaysian me. underwear model. Are you? A, <laughs> I'm. So, We're joined by Yan Ong. Hi, Yan. How are you? Hi. I'm from Malaysia, and it's a bit hard to be one at five foot three. Yeah, oh, <laughs> you, you and me both are suffering from yeah. the. Uh... <laughs> People need to redefine their uh, their their you know. What... Yeah, short girls can be sexy too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. <laughs> Most of the girls that I've been with have been shorter. Yeah. Than me. Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 pretty easy though. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So you're not a Brazilian underwear model. No. No, no, not not in this lifetime. You know, let's see how how good the yoga goes, and we'll find out what happens next lifetime. Yeah. I think, I think you. I think you had. We'll maybe we should introduce you for the for the public. But I think you maybe you had a Brazilian underwear model, like in quotations. You had one. You had I, like I did, uh, I did date one in the younger years, you know, for a little while. Like champagne-soaked like, evenings. Champagne yeah. and strawberries on ice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun, and you know, it led to nowhere in many different ways. Celebrity, wow. you know. He must I have am. had like a, an amazing midsection. I can't even imagine having like a a swarthy kind of muscled six pack like that between my legs. I'm just trying to <laughs> imagine it. It was, above, it was a above. lot of work. Above your a legs? a lot of work. I don't really know work. how it works for you. but You uh, got to work out a lot, right? To like do a lot of sit-ups to get well, that six pack going. It's for the man to do that, right? Yeah. The man does that. Yeah. And you just lie back and you let oh, it. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> go on, go on. But I am happily married now to a oh. yoga teacher. Oh, it, yes. In, Who also could be an underwear model. He's a... He's a Portuguese <laughs> underwear model? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Could be. He could be. He could be. <laughs> but he's just taken the route of yoga. <laughs> yes. He's definitely a sexy Portuguese surfer. Oh, right. Hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good. They, they've got great balance, those people. Yeah. That's good. Usually also the six-pack midsection area. Well, speaking of the six-pack midsection area, I know we've got a, a couple of our friends of the show, Valerie and, and Martha, who themselves, they appreciate a six-pack, I know, from their Instagram. Uh, before them, I want to give them an intro. Um, our guest today, Yan Ong, how do you pronounce that? Yep, you said it perfectly. Oh, my goodness. Yan okay. Ong. Okay. okay yeah, it's yeah. funny. It's only three letters, but it, it confuses people. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yan <laughs> has been teaching Ashtanga yoga full time for the past 10 years in Kuala Lumpur, in KL, as they call it. That's Is that right? right? 
Yeah, that's, that's right. right. She's she's an authorized level two Ashtanga yoga teacher and owner of the Meister Room in Kale, uh, formerly. Ms. Yan also has the distinction of being the first Mensa member on the Finding Harmony podcast. Yeah. I'm excited about it. If Valerie and Martha ever get on the show, <laughs> they will be second and third. Um, she, You tested in the top 2% of the world's IQ at 16, it says. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that wow. was amazing. Those were I didn't. Days. That was a. I was felt was a luck thing. I didn't even know what's happening. I signed up for the test uh, randomly and for fun, um, and got back a reply to join the community, which was nice. <laughs> You're just like ah, yeah. It's Goodness. just something Where? I did a, uh, in a Saturday afternoon. Did you <laughs> Literally, like, yeah. <laughs> did you like those people that you you, were, you know when you was, joined the community? You know, it's really funny when you go in and do an IQ test. Um, the room. It's as varied as a Mysore room. Like mm. you had, you had people in there that were like, um, you know, health angels type on Harley's, big dudes, beards. Wow. You had little <laughs> kids. Uh, of course, you had people looking like nerds. You had uh, full tattooed body people. It was, wow. it was an interesting room to see. Yeah, yeah, it was very different. And they were all Malaysian. No, I did this in London. <laughs> in London, in London, England. Yeah, yeah, wow. I was studying at the time. Yeah. You were take you yeah, were in sixth form in London. Yes, that's right. I was in sixth form and then I did university there after oh that. Oh my goodness. Wow. wow. Okay. And you did a you did a course in biotechnology. Um, I yeah, I graduated in biotechnology, which is usually a conversation killer, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on. <laughs> Why do we talk about that? What, well, would, what would you have done if you went into biotechnology? She, she would have moved to San Francisco. Really? Actually, that was right. Yeah. I wanted yeah, to move course. to San Francisco. Yeah, of course. There's there's no other there I mean That's what else where the you, biotech people are. Where else are you mm -hmm. gonna go with that degree? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. But at that you time my mom was like way in. too far. Oh yeah. Too yeah. Far. But you actually yeah. would have been closer to her. Or is the Pacific no, Ocean that big? It's that big. Oh wow. Well, yeah. That's nuts. That's probably like a twelve hour difference from Kuala Lumpur. Yeah, fifteen hours. Fifteen. Time difference. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's that's a difficult one. So Where, I did the next it, best thing. You know, I ended up in Pfizer in uh, Malaysia back home instead. Oh. And yeah. your mother was a Brazilian underwear model. Uh, no, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, wrong guy. I'm gonna have to speak to our research department. He's obsessed with underwear models right now. It's his time of the month. You know? Oh, <laughs> yes. There is one. I have one special day per month. <laughs> special, special day. Just, just, just the one. Yes, I am forty six, <laughs> so I get one special day. All the, all of the other days are a, a considerable effort. <laughs> That's his funny way of asking what your mother did. <laughs> what does my, your mother do? My well, both my parents now this year they turn eighty nine. Dad just turned eighty nine yesterday. Wow! Are yeah. you? And so you are you are sixty then? <laughs> I hope I don't look like it yet. I know our cameras are off, but still, no. <laughs> you look now, you look as young as the day I met you. Yeah, <laughs> they had me. Oh, thank you. But <laughs> they they had me so late. They had me at about forty seven. So the time Good. they had me, they retired. 
Mm. But she's always been the older sister, the more responsible one, always there. And I kind of grew up the wild child. <laughs> wow. That's that's, that's so interesting. You know, but I, I had a mom's traveling streak. That's why. Yeah, yeah. you definitely inherited it. Well, yeah. it's it surprises me that you didn't end up, you know, being like the CEO of a private equity conglomerate or running a biotech <laughs> company. You, but also, like you know, Harmony, you're the same way. Like you, you tested very highly in a with a what was it, a finance exam or a stockbroking exam? What was it? Um, my securities. You you like your grandfather. Exam, you, yeah. you beat your grandfather's test in that exam. <laughs> yeah. Everyone thought that you were going to be an amazing financier. Amazing. That's stock really broker. good. Yeah. <laughs> but no. But no. And so both of you are now. What? What the fuck happened to you people? <laughs> It was, it was boring. <laughs> right? Yeah. I find it really boring, too. Finance and everything finance related, just like, ugh. Yeah. It's like, it's like, kind of, it's, it's kind of good to, like, understand and know and, like, be able to feel confident in that area of your life. But, like, actually dealing with, like, numbers and accounts and, like, analyzing companies and stuff is... I mean, for me, it was just like, if you want to put me to sleep, like, give me that. <laughs> and I will start reading and fall asleep in 20 minutes. <laughs> I hear you. I'm exactly the same. But it's exactly that. It's useful knowledge to have. Yeah. Um, and then if you can play around with that, which is something I've been doing for the past 20 years, then it, it kind of supports whatever passion you want to pursue. But it is oh. a good skill to have or good knowledge to have. Yeah. Because you're a yeah. cryptocurrency broker now. Yeah. <laughs> She's a day trader. Day trader, yeah, day right. Trader. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, way yeah. too stressful. Yeah. <laughs> I I do a little bit, especially in this past lockdown, there were like times where I don't know what time of day it was anymore, what day of the week it was. Yeah. Um, and yeah. You know, it's a, it was a fun thing to do, and 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 we would. I was trading quite a little bit then, but it was something I've always done a little bit to support myself safely. I've had some hard lessons too from it. I've mm -hmm. Almost bankrupt twice doing it, but oh no, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I know. I know. I've had some hard lessons too. I'm in the middle of one right now. No, no. <laughs> I'm just, oh, I'm just riding it out. I'm sorry. <laughs> is that correct? <laughs> Where is our Beyond Meat stock, honey? <laughs> what the fuck happened to our Beyond Meat stock? What are your other tips? How how down are we? Back back to you. Oh fuck <laughs> me! Are you fucking kidding me? Jesus. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Stop taking the Lord's name in vain. Oh, it's not, I'm not a Christian. I don't know how many fucking times I have to tell you people. Um, so speaking of Christ, you used to sell Viagra. Oh my God. Which to me, there's a very close relationship. You take the Lord's name, you praise Jesus and pray for an erection. Um, so have you ever tried buying Viagra in Gokulam? Have you ever tried oh, doing that? I, I thought you were going to lead with, um, have you ever tried Viagra? Um, yeah. No. <laughs> you know, Harmony and I tried it and it oh, did not, it was not what we thought it was going to be, you know, honestly. Oh, uh, wait, are you shy now? What's going on with, with her voice? What's wrong with her voice right now? She said too much info, too much oh, info. Oh. <laughs> Anyway, it was she's, more like an amphetamine. She's, she's it melting over there. I mean, I, 
it didn't like I wanted like a instant erection, but all I got was like I feel like I'm on on speed. Like that's not what I was looking for. Um, you didn't. No. You didn't really need it. Oh, would you stop? Oh, Harmony <laughs> Slater. It's true. You didn't need it either, Harmony, but you took it. I don't know what it did for you. Not much. <laughs> oh, I'm losing my mind right now. So I was Apparently surprised. Apparently he's a little uh, pent up. You know? I was it's coming out. Oh, my God. I was surprised when I just walked into the pharmacy on the corner right next to the chai stand across from... <laughs> The uh, Ganesha Temple. uh I walked into that pharmacy. Great guy. I love that guy. Super, super smooth dude. Very relaxed. I just said, yeah, I want uh, this. And I I slid on the piece of paper and he looked up at me and like, really? (laughs) (laughs) You're like 27, dude. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, he sold me a bunch. And oh, yeah. a friend of mine, an older friend of mine, I said, "Yeah, yeah, try it. It'll be fun." And uh, I didn't, I didn't know you could just buy Viagra on the street. You can buy anything in India. It's crazy. Yeah, there's normally they make a lot of generics too uh, in India yeah. for all drugs, which is like a lot cheaper than if you were get, to get it anywhere else. Yeah. Mm. So is that what you, what your job was? Do you just like kind of like stand on a street corner selling generic <laughs> pharmaceuticals? What, so, what was that like for you? Yeah. So my first job, my first job, literally on the first day of my job, I walked in and I literally had a whole day looking at pictures of penises on the wall as part of the day. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I was, oh. I was mortified. Oh man. I just <laughs> lost <laughs> consciousness for a minute. <laughs> What did you need to do that and for? I needed well, to understand how everything worked and how the Viagra worked in order to sell it to the to the doctors in the hospital. Well, you um, didn't know what an what, they presumed that you didn't know what an erection was did or what it looked like. They wanted everyone in the sales team to be on the same page, I guess. Right. Oh my god. They were like trying to desensitize you or something. Reminds me of a night in San Francisco when everybody wanted us to be on the same page. (laughs) (sighs) So that was a fun first job, you know. Um, Oh my gosh. But yeah, then then that that also didn't like do it so much for me after a while. I mean, it was very corporate. It was you earn a lot of money in sales and pharma and but Mm -hmm. after a while I had this um this calling to go and travel, I guess, to go mm-hmm. on the road. So I kind of left eventually and uh, went backpacking for later on in my 20s. Yeah. So you took all that money and, and just went went to town, went, went all over the place. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, it's but kind of already... amazing to make like a ton of money in your early 20s and not like blow it on, you know, cocaine and alcohol no, I and think parties. She established that. We uh, established uh, that already. Yeah, I, yeah, we we did. <laughs> that was but in like, the But still have some left over to go traveling. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh no, that that continued in the traveling too. Okay. Oh, like, Jesus. Yeah, that just, just stopped there. It just spurted coffee out of my nose. Uh, <laughs> But that's the thing, though. That's that's the thing that I find amazing. You know, it was it was the completely non-yoga kind of environment that was one of my most spiritual growth ever. Traveling by yourself mm. was um, it's just so mm. mind opening yeah. and heart opening that even if you're doing a lot of 
on yogurt things. Um, yes. if you do, yeah, if yeah. you do, yeah, <laughs> you're doing just to do. You know, it was amazing. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think you can do anything and gain a spiritual experience, really, and it can look completely opposite to what you think it should look like. I love that. I agree with that completely. That you know, if if you have a boundary around a spiritual ex- experience that it happens in this place and this place only. And it looks like this and sounds like this and feels like this. Then really what you're creating is, um, is a form that around something that is formless. Exactly. And so it's an, it's a necessary obstruction to that experience. Exactly. I couldn't have said it any better. You're well, just I'm, putting limitations on it. Yeah. yeah, I Nara Simha once explained that to us uh, th- that uh, the 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 you know Jayashri's cousin brother in in Mysore. <laughs> yes. Um, that you have a religious mystic experience, and then your first effort, mm-hmm. and this is described in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, your first effort, like with a cup of coffee, is to duplicate that experience. Right, and you contrive all of the structures around it so that it's duplicated. But what that ends up being is a is a um, a fallacy, and mm-hmm. it just becomes a a, a rote a, a rote thing that you do uh, in an effort to replicate something that arises spontaneously of itself. That's exactly what happens in all of these meditative experiences. No, immediately mm-hmm. you experience it, you try to grasp it. And then you lose it. Yeah, you do it with everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The bomber. <laughs> <laughs> the grasping, the grasping, the, grasping. the act of grasping um, takes it further away from you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All, all away from yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So, where did you travel to? <laughs> Tell me where all the places you visited. Oh wow! I think um, that in that particular trip, I took two years out to backpack, and I pretty much wanted to go to everywhere or as far as possible from anything I knew. So I bust um, South America for one year, mm-hmm. and I basically finished up in East Africa. Wow! After that, um, just kind of not having any expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, just I knew that it was something more than living in the city, working in the corporate, just you know, partying and things like that. And I'm don't have much patience generally. This is something I need to work on. Um, a lot of <laughs> superficial city talk, you know. Yeah. Where's the mm. next sale? What's the latest fashion? I'm right. like, you know, I need to work on my resting bitch face. But like, yeah. I can't. <laughs> so I, can't, do I, I just can't. Honestly. I cannot deal with stuff like that. So I, I just went. I just went it. off. <laughs> it was nice. I, did you were you in Ethiopia or that or um, Egypt or what? What do you mean by East Africa? So what I did was actually I flew in um, to Kenya and then I went to see the mountain gorillas on the border of Rwanda and Congo. Oh, amazing, oh. Uganda. Yeah, yeah, that did was you, scary. <laughs> did you meet one? Yeah, yeah. I actually oh. got um, pushed aside by one. 
Wow. That's amazing. That's so fantastic. It was traumatic. Because it was too late. Someone said, don't look him in the eye. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. um, People gave me that same advice when I was playing football in Louisiana. It's like, don't, don't look the lineman in the eye. Just oh, yeah. that happened to me once with a monkey too, not a gorilla. And it yeah. was just like a monkey up in Dharmasala. And there was like a bunch of different, like a group of them that were kind of like, you know, fighting and goofing around. And then one like kind of got pushed aside and it was like a big male. Mm. And I, and he started walking towards me. And of course I'm looking him in the eye. Yeah. Because he's walking straight towards me. And I was like, <laughs> and then he like jumped to like attack me. Oh, gosh. And at the, I was with Jeff at the time and he like boot kicked him across the road. <laughs> but you were had, okay? Yeah. Had I not uh, like had a bigger, stronger male monkey with me, yeah, <laughs> I would have been like goner. <laughs> that's what they're for. I yeah. would have gotten bit or something for sure. Yeah. You that's freeze. The big, you just freeze. That's yeah. what the big primates there. are for is you, yeah. you dare to attack other big primates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, I almost died. But, but it's so humbling at the same time, though, because you just realize, you know what? Crap. We think we're all that. But there are animals yeah. out there way more powerful than you that can take your life in one second and you put your head down literally. Um, totally. in order to respect them in their environment and you're like you know what this is as scary as it is it's extremely humbling yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah totally. that i that's like a dream of mine i would love to go see those gorillas one day yeah. or you could play football <laughs> i don't want to play football i recommend football to anyone out there i like watching football but. yeah I, I, but it's really it is it's exactly that like being pushed aside by another bigger stronger male and being, getting your face shoved in the dirt and then it's awesomely humiliating and it's, it's a fantastic experience it was still still I often have said this is still the best part of my life was was doing that. Um, yeah. So how did you get into yoga? What what you did it in college, and you were you were doing yoga while you were doing all this partying at the same time. So I I finished university, and then I I kind of was really curious about studying yoga. I didn't see it as a physical practice. I just was thinking about it as a, something to to study. And um, so I did the nerd thing and being type A went, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly Um, (laughs) and looked for something I thought was as authentic as possible and found my way to Ashtanga, Mm -hmm. got the books. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I think David Swenson had just released his flip book. Yep. It was in Mm -hmm. 2000 or something like that. Yep. And uh, I just did that. I was that doing that on the room of my bedroom until I heard something crazy like Mari Chasnadi and thought, uh, I think it's time I need some help. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So then I I found um, some classes in in Malaysia. But what happened was um, it wasn't, I didn't know at the time, it wasn't like my or anything. It was just classes called the Shanga, Mm -hmm. as these still exist. And um, (laughs) I kind of did that for a couple of years until I came across um, a Mysore teacher that was visiting at the time uh, mm-hmm. in and out of Malaysia. And yeah, and it started, it started that way, which is pretty amazing. 
which ended up in um, living in Mysore for a while, much later. But can you say why it is that you graduated college and you're in and you're working? Yeah. Do you have a, a a trigger for what prompted you to have a an interest in a, in a spiritual life? Was there like someone that you knew? Was it a grandmother that that did a spiritual experience? What was you it? Know, that's that you a really said good yourself, question. Why? Um, well, two things um, I think really. One was at that time I was I was in a lot of unhealthy relationships. You know, mm-hmm. I was dating someone that was selling drugs at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I had this thing at the back of my head after getting the, the Mensa membership that I was like, why do we, why do we have intelligence? What the hell is the point of having any intelligence? Who cares if you have a high IQ or low EQ or high EQ or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. what is the point? Mm-hmm. Um, I was always wondering about that. You know, um, I had this plaque on the wall and I thought that's, that's pointless really, if it doesn't serve me any good. And I was very curious about that. So I was, um, I was curious as as to how we can use our intelligence to find purpose or Mm -hmm. happiness or, or something to use it for something because we have it, everyone. And that was at the back of my mind. And somehow while I was thinking about all this stuff, it led me to, to discovering what the practices of yoga was for because it seemed to link to meaning and purpose in life eventually. So I mm-hmm. that's how it triggered it. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, no. I, I don't know what's wrong with selling drugs. I've <laughs> <laughs> been watching a lot of Ozark. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I just started uh, the new season. <laughs> can be a noble profession. Um, anyway, it's a it's a it's a <laughs> Enough of my family it's history. It's funny because I was in Kuala Lumpur in 2004 yeah. um, just for like a – I was there for a week on a visa run. I was living in Thailand at the time and I had to go um, get like a work, proper – a different work visa. And um, and so I was staying there with a couple and they had sort of this very grassroots Mysore community that they were a part of. And I think Alex Medin had been there teaching right. prior. I remember that. And um, and it was it was amazing. It was the only time I've been to Kuala Lumpur. But I'd go get up, teach Mysore in the morning, and then just kind of like wander around the city for the rest of the day. <laughs> was this in a place called Tapas? Yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think Karen Grenfell was, told me about going there too. Yeah, it was really it was a it was a really sweet little community and. Like yeah, small, really you know, like yeah, just maybe like ten people or something. Mark yeah. Yao went there once with Karen at the same time. It yeah. was yeah, I, I think uh, it was like a, a group of very hardworking, sort of uh, middle-aged women. Yeah, 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 couple yeah. men. Yeah, many of them yeah. were still practicing um, at, at home when we moved to uh, created the shala many many years later, because oh. there was a little bit of an issue at one point where there was um a fatwa issued by um, the Islamic authority where right. Muslims were not allowed to practice yoga oh, in yeah. Malaysia. That's so understandable. So that kind of that killed uh, the scene and uh, the growth of the yoga industry for a while and set it back compared to all the other countries around us. Is right. that um, what happened to Alex? Was he fatwaed? I think he just I've, left. Oh, he, but yeah. he's alive. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
He's alive would, and well in Norway. I would love to be yeah. fatwa. That would be yeah. amazing. Like, did so, you hear what happened to Russell? He got like a, they did a fatwa, and he's. I don't. I don't know if it works that way. <laughs> no. But, yeah. No. That. But I think now it's, it's it's all good and it's growing and you know stuff. Yeah. Everyone had the pandemic and that set everything back too again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and that's really interesting because, uh, you know, I kind of forget that about uh, Kuala Lumpur. I tend to because it is such a like metropolitan city and it is so mm-hmm. modern and, you know, amazing. But it is under like the Islamic kind of government, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's and still, it's quite um, traditional in some ways. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's like Texas that way. <laughs> uh, can you say, I'm still struggling to understand, like you just jumped mm-hmm. into Ashtanga Yoga and you're traveling for a couple of years and then you say to yourself, I'm going to move to India and live there for five years. <laughs> yeah, what, like, what prompted surely that? Surely your mother said at some <laughs> point, no, do not do that. Come home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I, I after the backpacking, um, I think... And all the crazy experiences and people I met with it, I kind of, you know, you fall into things and you you notice like, you know, you guys, you too have lived in different countries. A lot of traveling leads Mm -hmm. you to yoga or a lot of yogis end up having past lives where they lived in many, many different countries. Yeah. And I think what it was, was I decided, I was reading a lot of Eckhart Tolle at the time Mm -hmm. and I decided, um, you know, if I'm going to learn this, I'm going to, I'm going to go to that and learn it from the source and study mm-hmm. it I had no intention to teach never it never even crossed my mind mm-hmm. <laughs> it was never something I I wanted to do I was more like um I'm more I like to study I like to learn so I kind of went there to do that and I wasn't <laughs> planning to live there either I went there just for a couple of months to see how it was and then decided you know what I'm gonna set up shop here for a little while why it's such a nice community. But why would you do yeah. that? Why would you say to yourself, I'm going to stay here? Yeah, it was it was really nice. First of all, I had no teacher for a long time. So I had been doing, you know, a little bit of yoga here and from the book and from going around. But I really was looking for someone mm-hmm. that could look after my practice. Yeah. And um, nothing else, nothing more than that. So when I went there on my first trip, um, I thought it was going to be a one-time only. And then on the last day um, of practice, before I left after that first four months, I felt that um, Sharat had, is a person that knew me more than I knew myself. And he didn't even mm. have to know my name, um, which was quite amazing. I never had that feeling before Yeah, with he any saw yoga you, teacher. He yeah. saw you as maybe like a as a pattern you saw that how this pattern tends to operate or was it something very unique to you um it was you know there's a lot of a lot of things where you think oh you go there and oh there's so many people in the room i'm not getting any attention this guy doesn't even know my name why am mm-hmm. i here I, you hear a lot of that yeah. um and i was no different i was like oh you know this is just a yoga holiday a yoga experience and then yeah and I, when i was about to leave i was like this guy doesn't even know i'm about to leave and then the day before I left, um, he yelled across the room for me to stand up. I arrived. Uh, I, nice. <laughs> I arrived doing half primary. Wow. Um, I I didn't know how to do more than that. And then I I finished primary that trip. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even know what he was talking about. Then he was yelling at me to stand up. I was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> 
And then I was upside down. I was like, I didn't what? And then also I stood up. I didn't even had the body awareness to do something like that. I didn't even know what was expected of wow, me. From, and then from I was your like, back bend, you just stood right up. Yeah, never did in my life. Never <laughs> Amazing. Like, hmm. like, but you have to watch someone silently to be able to confidently say that. I mean, yeah. you yeah. saw enough to know you will never say that unless you yeah. confidently knew. So there, he's watching. Yeah, you don't have to talk. You don't have to anything. He doesn't need to know all the superficial labels of what we have, your name, where you're from. Yeah, but he's watching. So you can really, you can really tell when someone can do something. You can tell it right away just by the way. Sometimes the way they walk into the room, it's like, oh, a backbender. <laughs> yeah, but they don't know it themselves. It's right. true. It's true. Yeah, yeah especially so like you trust someone because of that. Especially to start like to to be in half primary, you know, you don't really you're you're pretty green, you're pretty new. It's not like you've been practicing for like five years and you, you mm-hmm. know, know the whole sequence and everything to do. And so to show up in Mysore with like that kind of nice fresh energy and practice and have him take you through to the end of primary and then like have this experience at the end, I'm sure was incredible. Yeah. It felt like someone knew you without knowing you, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Totally, so I totally. Said, this is the place I'm going to learn from and practice. Uh, so that's so why you, I decided to stay. You Did you go home after for a bit and then come back? Yeah, so right after that, I went back. Um, I um, sort of reorganized myself and then went back to my again the next season and helped um, a really nice man there that was building his retirement home. Mm-hmm. I helped him, um, looked after his construction and he rented the upstairs or the whole house to me at some point um, for a long West, term. A yeah. Westerner or a local man? No, he's from Bangalore. Yeah. Okay. And he was um, super, super, one of the kindest people I've ever met also. And I was very lucky to meet a lot of very nice locals that helped me set up shop there. And hmm. what I did was I would practice in the morning, study in the later morning philosophy with another teacher yeah. and spend like the later evening trading to support myself there. <laughs> trading. Trading. Yeah. trading. Yeah. Yeah. Internet is good. In it's India. great. What the yeah. fuck were we doing yeah. that we weren't living like that? <laughs> we're busting our ass teaching yoga. We could have been date. Like you could have. Day trading. Easily. <laughs> Oh my and not God. spending any money, so right, good. yeah, yeah, that is good. <laughs> uh, wow, and who were you studying with? Um, philosophy, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Professor Nagaraja Rao. Oh yeah, Doctor Rao. Yeah, he's so lovely. Yeah. Nice. It was um something that um Sharath had asked me to go and and do. He said uh, you need to go down the route of philosophy. Mm. So huh. contact How this unusual. guy. Yeah, um, wow. That's very you know. surprising. Yeah. He said that to you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He never once said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think maybe, you know, in my mind, have, we have all these insecurities. Now. In my mind, I'm like, oh, why? Because I can't go find the asana. He needs me to go down the book route. Is that why? Like, yeah. What? <laughs> Maybe he could tell how intelligent you were. He was like, oh, this one needs, you know, she's going to be able to understand. When you register, you you ended up, you stayed there like 80 months. Is that right? Um, 80 months. In the past 10 years. Yeah, about a total of 80 months now. Good Lord. How uh, can you do anyone math oriented here? Anyone can do the math for me? Is that? Divided by 12? What is that? Since 2000 and, and she can 
and 20. So some months we, I was there for like, uh, some years I was there for 10 months, um, others shorter. When he was not teaching, I would follow him on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Also, so I would still be practicing with him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then there was some courses that we did over the summer. It's around there, six yeah. and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. 6.6, it says. 6.66 was the mark of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Been there a little while. Yeah. Um, you know, I know a lot of people who felt like, um, certainly back in the day when I first got there, 2003, mm-hmm. uh, I knew a number of people who felt that they would go there, they would live there three to five years and get certified and go back home. Like that was a kind of a um, a trend. Um, half a dozen friends like Kevin or Olaf or, or um, mm-hmm. Sa- was Sasha from England. What's her name? Saskia. 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 Um, they were, but you know, not everyone got certified. Like Olaf was the only one who got certified after of that crew who lived there. Mm-hmm. Did you have that kind of uh, of ambition or dream, or were you just interested no, actually, in, in a kind of lifestyle? Actually, I didn't even think I was gonna teach. Never. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I didn't have that. So to be honest, when I got authorized, um, I think after maybe the third or fourth year there, which by that time I had probably spent 30 months. Okay. I was like, what? <laughs> he was come yeah. to my office and, and then he gave me an authorized, he was like, authorized. I was like, huh, what? Yeah. Um, and then I, I didn't even understand what was going on. So I didn't, I didn't expect that at all. And I didn't know what to do with myself. And that same trip, he had asked me to, um, was it that same trip? No, I think, yeah. The second trip, maybe? I can't remember. One of the trips after that, he asked me to um, assist. Oh, yeah. And I said, no, because you authorized me. I've never taught, really. I'm not a teacher, and I'm not going to go into that room where people have DVDs and shit and then adjust them. No, thanks. Um, (laughs) I don't. I'm not ready for that. And he goes, no, no, you're going to do it. And I'm like, So I kind of got thrown into the deep end. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) With that. You know, it was a nervous wreck. Yeah, but um, and those people are not yeah. easy people to work with. Sometimes, <laughs> most of the time, especially the the four a.m. crew. Yeah. it's yeah. it's like walking into you know like the twelve monkeys. It's the, like the, the be- eight a.m. crew is the best. They're yeah, yeah, they're grateful. nine a.m. But like those people at four a.m., they're they're very yeah. intent. Yeah. on on achieving something in their very limited window, and if you're touching them, then it's because Sharat isn't. <laughs> and so this basket case is really like radiating hostility. It's a tough thing to do. Oh, I was crying after the first week. Sure. Like I was at home crying. I didn't understand what was going on because I had this different perspective. I arrived extremely naive. I mean, I didn't yeah. understand what was going on or, or what etiquette was. I thought oh, it's a yoga holiday, you know? Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> yes. and people are like, don't touch me. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. happening? So I would adjust anyone and say sorry immediately before they said anything after. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry about this. I'm so sorry, I'm yeah. Asked so to sorry. adjust you. So this is Sherat telling me to do this to you, okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And oh, if you give I me any guff, I'm going to tell him. <laughs> actually, after one month, I was like so tired of caring like 
like all the crap that by yeah. the end that when I heard that one more time, I just went, you know, she once knew she said uh, like really loud. <laughs> <laughs> That's so embarrassing. That's so good. I, just, I couldn't handle it anymore. I was like, I'm not going to carry any more of your crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so I've I been there. 100%. I know yeah. the person I was when I first started um, assisting, and at the end of the month, I was two different people. <laughs> yeah. Wow! Yeah, I grew, I grew a backbone. Maybe that's what I needed to do. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you yeah. didn't have a backbone when you started the practice. <laughs> no. no, you said you were kind of floppy and just no structure to you. No, the strength has always been really hard for me to gain. I'm just, you know, you're normally one or the other, right? Um, yeah. So Were I, you I was massively kind of, flexible, like physiological laxity, like Einler-Danler syndrome, like really flexible? My like sister that? might actually think we have that, but yeah, <laughs> like wow. my elbows, my elbows mm-hmm. look like they're broken naturally on both elbows. Um, right. Can you pull but, the skin off your chest like a couple inches? That's the one of the tests. That's really? the first test. Yeah. You just take the skin <laughs> between your bosom and you pull it and how far can it pull out? I'm trying that right now. It's like because <laughs> um, we took that no. test in New York, and Bunchu, Aquino, and um, <laughs> our friend from University of Virginia, um, what's his name? John Bolton. John Bolton. John. They, all, yeah. they all failed the test. Like they were, po- they they you have mean, it. Passed. Like, yeah, they, they, they passed the test. They have it. They passed the test. They, no. They've oh, had wow. all three all three indicators. I don't think they. You're, we did the you're test. You're doing false advertisement now. No, they're going to die. You're going to get us sued. They're Kino's going gonna... to sue us for they're... telling the public that she has some she's kind of gonna, syndrome that gonna, she doesn't d- have. She's going to die of a neurological <laughs> disease. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm, no. I'm still here trying to pull the skin off my chest. Is it coming <laughs> off? Is it no, coming off? No. I wish oh. it did, though, now. Oh, you don't but, have it. Uh, oh, All damn right. it. <laughs> <laughs> but you did. Your body did fucking fail you, right? Yeah, no. Didn't you have a total yeah. collapse Start of the heart? my life. <laughs> no, no so i yeah i was one of those and as you see a lot of of asian girls in in my so too we like you arrive it's a lot of flexibility not a lot mm-hmm. not a lot of structural body awareness that's one of those if you put me into anything my body will go there but if you yeah. ask me to do it by myself forget it right yeah. um so i think it's quite easy to probably injure bodies like that if you use a lot of force yeah um I I was one of those. You asked me to stand up, I'll stand up. But I'm like, oh wow! You asked me to do kapatasana. <laughs> I could like do kapatasana. I was like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do on the first try. Okay, um, but I I struggled with doing stuff like that by my myself, mm-hmm. like with integrity. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, one day due to um, a bit of a strong and rough adjustment, I had a bad mm-hmm. spinal um, injury that in, caused in my kapata- body to change forever. In Kapotasana, you said? Yeah, yeah, it was in Kapotasana. How um, how could that be? You were in Kapotasana and someone just ripped your arms down? So I was one of those people, like, I could always go to the heels, but it won't be pretty because I would just drop back, I would walk, and then I'll grab it. Oh. Um, but I never had yeah, the strength, okay. for example, hang long enough to grab it from there because you require strength yeah. to do that. Right. So um, one day I had an adjustment where um, – I think they decided maybe you should start catching from the air because you can. Right. Um, and grab one arm in the air quite strongly to one side. Yeah. And then there's this really loud sound that went. Oh. oh, one of the facets broke or something or something. Yeah. So 
Jesus. And I could walk for weeks. Um, then when oh. I went to see someone, they told me that I had dislocated one of my thoracic vertebrae. But um, they fixed it. But there was still a lot of pain for a long time. So a year and a half later, I did an MRI mm-hmm. um, and found out that not only was that um, dislocated, it caused uh, a herniated disc on my yeah. L5-S1 because that's two points right. the arch. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you have the ligaments that connect those two points, which were ripped. They're now full oh. of scar tissue. Oh. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> so there goes the stand up <laughs> that didn't yeah. come back so easily. Are you gonna you know? name names? There's no. a lot of people that'd like to know who that person was. Who no, did that to no, you. I don't think. Can I, we? I don't think it's necessary. I think you know it's it's kind of most of we do this job. Uh, things like that happen. Oh, um, hopefully, we... people learn from it. I learned yeah. from it, and it affected my teaching. I'm really, really careful with, or I don't believe in strong adjustments. I believe in making people work to discover their body because mm-hmm. putting in someone into something is just it's not necessary no one I, gained anything from it no? no i just really like to listen and i listen as deeply as i poss- as i can to that whole that whole person and then follow the path from the listening and it can end up being strong if if I'm following the the their prana, their their energy line, or or their chi, I I just uh, I just really want to know this person's name. Though. Oh. <laughs> so, but that's I not mean, the only time that that happened. I had another time later on, five years later, something similar happened, but from standing. Oh um, gosh! Oh, doing like the so catching. Well. Yeah, the catching, and it didn't go so mm-hmm. well. And then what happened was I couldn't walk again after. And then I found I did another MRI and found out the same um, disc that Injury. was herniated. Yeah, now it was herniated in two places after that. Oh. So, yeah. And so you gave up Ashtanga yoga. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been way too easy. <laughs> really? It would have been the natural choice, though, right? Well, I I. I kind of stopped practice the second time round. The first time round, I had a lot of fight in me. I was like, you know what? I'm going to fix this. I've dedicated mm-hmm. way too, it was pure stubbornness. I've dedicated way too much of my life this to just give up. Now it's fine. It's okay. I'm not mad. I will just, this happens and I will try to fix it. Um, and after five years, I got back to almost being able to practice without pain and do the whole whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, primary and, and half of intermediate. But then when I got back to that place, it happened again. And then Ugh. by that point, I, I will admit, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I can't yeah. fight anymore. And I don't want to. Um, so I'm going to take a break. And I don't have to fight in me. I can't cry anymore on the mat. It's ridiculous. So I took yeah. a break for a little while. Like a year? A couple years? Um, I took a break at first for about six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to try again, but then I was just frustrated. I think also it's a lot of ego involved. Like yeah. just, right. I just kept thinking, I just want to go back to what I was before. Right. You know? um, yeah. And that was killing me to keep thinking like that. So, yeah. um, but I was causing my own harm, I guess. It was a process I had to go through emotionally and mentally. Well, this, brings well us back, this brings us back to what we, we were talking about a little bit in the beginning of the podcast about a formless mystic experience. And I, and I felt like I've a very similar sort of um, story to you, Jan, right? You know, you, you start out with the practice 
uh, you start out, you know, having a mystic experience, traveling a lot, doing some crazy things, and then ending up with a some kind of insight or or a pranic opening or a kundalini opening, and then you apply that to a rigorous physical discipline, and mm. in the course of a decade, sort of losing what that was for, the mystic experience, and then coming around to like the total uh, destruction of your body where nothing works anymore. And it's like, well, now what? Exactly. How do I find, how do I, what was I doing in the first place while well, I was looking for the mystic experience? I was trying to discipline myself towards that. But all, what I, what it ended up happening is that it was, in a, it was a lifelong ego trip towards a particular <laughs> uh, design <laughs> of body. And I wanted to look, you know, like Olaf. I wanted to look like Mark Yao. <laughs> and yeah. I wanted to be, but then, you know, so now I have this broken form that doesn't work as well. It doesn't do these things. It will never do those things. So now what do I do? And how do I practice? And what do I, what do I do in my day? What do you which do? Is a lesson, which is a lesson that we all actually have to learn at some point. Yeah, I agree. I, I just see it as I had a chance to learn that earlier. Instead yeah. of when I hit 70 or 80, which I would have to at some point. Yeah. So I, I dived deep, even deeper into studying philosophy. Um, I was kinder to myself. I don't, I didn't, um, I learned the difference between obsession and dedication, mm. Um, mm. which was, yeah. which was a pretty interesting journey. And um, I just, I got a lot, it, it took a long time. It took a long time. But I think there was a moment um, that was quite funny. I had bumped into Sharat at a, um, on the street once in Hong Kong by accident. And we ended up having <laughs> coffee. And he mm -hmm. had asked me during this, co uh, this coffee, he goes, how's your back? And I went, you know what? I'm not going to lie. It hurts to do sun salutations. And then yeah. he just looked at me and he went, why don't you do something else? Right. Jiminy crickets. <laughs> I just went, what? <laughs> Damn. You know? Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, huh? I don't know. I'm not dealing with this very well. What are you trying to say to me? But of course, you know, that and ends and there. And then you have to figure it out yourself. Right. Um, wow. That's so revelatory. Yeah. Start with legs so up the wall. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, why don't you so why don't like, you play tennis? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> then I realize it's us that puts this pressure on ourselves. No yeah. one's doing it. We're doing yeah. that to ourselves. You know, totally. we're harming ourselves. Why? Um, yeah. do it do do what's right for you. Just keep doing. If yeah. if you know what I mean. You know and what I mean? Bring, but do what's right for you. And bring that mystic insight to that activity. Exactly. I feel like if there's it's day a, trading, make it a mystic experience <laughs> out of it. Exactly. I feel like there's a lot of like compare and despair sometimes in our community, you know, and especially like when you're, you get on like the social media and it's like, you know, all the advanced postures are getting all the likes. And if you're not doing the demonstration of the advanced asanas, then, you know, it's like you're not getting any attention. And it's pointless and it's, to be on Instagram at that point. Yeah, it's really like <laughs> doing a disservice to yoga in a sense because it's not really about contortionism. And when the dopamine hit wears off, which eventually it does, right? After what a are, couple minutes. What are you left with? Like, yeah. you know, 
And I think what that happens that's, when we get old. Yeah, that's exactly the lesson that you kind of had to come up against, right? Is how do I practice in a way that's healing and nurturing and not just about like giving me that, you know, dopamine hit or that endorphin release, right? Yeah. I mean, comparing yourself to other people is, is of course, like the source of all unhappiness. Yeah. What was really hard for me was I was constantly comparing myself to what I was before. Right. Yeah. That was hard. That was hard. That was like, um, that was another form of like self abuse, really. Yeah. I've given up self abuse. (laughs) I was just, it's just too, don't have the energy. But you had another, you had another big obstacle too. And I remember we talked about this, I don't know, maybe back in 2014 or 15 or something. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Where you, came up uh, with uh hypothyroidism right and an autoimmune disorder yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was that was weird that actually you know the irony the yoga teacher the yoga practitioner has stress issues yeah that is it i'm living this great like yoga practicing life studying philosophy and crap and everything in mysore and la 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 and then i went back to malaysia to the real world where I had to open the shala. I was bringing a man with me for the first time, living with my parents. I was just really stressed out. Um, And then I started getting really, really fatigued and I wouldn't know why. Um, I started gaining weight. I wasn't even eating. Um, I couldn't (laughs) cross the room without like being out of breath, let alone practice being, you know, in the beginning without like taking 10 breaths. Yeah. and then finally, after about a six-month journey of trying, of every doctor in the hospital saying there's nothing wrong with me, it's in my head. Right. I found a functional doctor that spent at least three to four hours talking to me about my my history um, and where I was at in life and realized that I did have um, hypothyroidism. It's just that with hormones, mm-hmm. this is a bit of a touchy subject and a huge subject in, in the States. Um, they, you look at fixed numbers and if yeah. you are only borderline or still within that fixed range, you are considered normal, right. but everyone is different. Um, mm-hmm. that's the thing, especially with hormones, you can't put everyone into a fixed range. Right. So when I got, um, treated, this was quite difficult because I had been, um, vegetarian for eight years and vegan for two. Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't continue oh, on that anymore. I needed so to, take to take thyroid the pills. bone broth. Yeah. Yep. The, <laughs> exactly. The bone <laughs> broth and thyroid pills. Yeah. yeah. Which um, Kimberly yeah. Flynn said the same thing that she said that she eventually had to take the bone broth. Oh yeah. The same reason, yeah. For hypothyroidism too. Well, just because you know she was. Um, well, I don't know the I don't I don't know the list of it the wasn't hypothyroid. I think she, she was, was just extremely fatigued. Yeah, yeah, she was on yeah. the yeah yeah. She had a litany of, of issues that were that were solved by ending that part of um, her journey. Yeah, so it was really hard for me. I I said um, to the doctor, I said, "Oh wow, I I need like a month or two to mentally." get used to that idea but um, mm-hmm. within a month I got so bad that I went I went for it and then um, it helped it helped a lot I got medicated properly I got treated um, 
the way kind of was difficult to get away. But then what happened was I managed, I could still practice and teach and do everything normally after that, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then la- when we had the pandemic, it was like another stressful episode. Yeah. You don't know when stress hits you, you know? Yeah. And then it got, yeah. And then I, then I started having the same symptoms as I did um, the five or six years before, mm-hmm. even while I was doing the same management therapy. Yeah. But it just had gotten worse. It went into um, um, Hashimoto's. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it became an autoimmune problem. Disorder, already. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we, we, I decided, you know, this to start focusing on myself is one of the goals because I think a lot of the stuff or stress-related stuff was worrying about everyone but forgetting to worry about myself. Right, not taking the time for your own self-care. Yeah, you know, I when I was worried about the school, worried about the students, worried about my parents, like, you know, it's like just Yeah. and then ran myself to the ground just worrying but didn't solve anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is the irony, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was also I think like a very stressful time. I mean, still is for many of us. Yeah. Um, you know, where you don't it's unpredictable, right? And travels restricted in you know locally internationally um you know many studios have had to close because of the pandemic they couldn't stay open you know yeah that's that's stressful (laughs) and and, you know a woman's body changes so much during a lifetime i mean it changes so much in a month (laughs) yeah exactly you know so, yeah. like, dealing with all these changes makes part of all of it. And stress is such a, it's like a, such a silent, yeah. I don't want to say killer, but, like. Um, <laughs> well, it takes years you know, off like your life, it. doesn't it? Yeah. It does. yeah. 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 I mean, time. I was having ladies that lasted, like, six weeks and beyond during the pandemic. Jesus. Randomly. Like, it was yeah. insane. Yeah. And I was like, you know, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's always that's such a sign that something's like really off, I think, for women. Yeah. Like physically, it always seems to show up in the cycle, like, you know, the irregularity or the loss or the extension. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think indicator. it's really important to share all this stuff because a lot of, I think a lot of women go through so many things and then they think that it's out of the norm. So yeah. no one wants to talk about it or they feel bad or, oh, um, you know, I'm a bit bloated today, but, you know. They, exactly. It's, it's okay. Don't catch today. Don't worry about it. I mean, yeah, like don't worry. It's, you should never feel bad if your body changes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much, I think, un, not necessarily unconscious, but like subliminal body shame that we've taken on, I think, especially as women in our culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, it's really, it's hard. It's hard to kind of get over. I was talking about this with a friend, um, you know, a couple days ago, and she was saying that, you know, looking at Instagram and, and this idea of like weight loss, right. And, mm-hmm. and her friend was a coach and she's becoming a weight loss coach. And she was like, it feels kind of weird. And, and I said, yeah, but like, when you think about it, 90% of the female population probably want to lose weight. <laughs> like, and maybe they yeah. just aren't admitting it or aren't saying it, but like deep down, we all sort of have this weird, like relationship with our bodies and this weird body image, body shame, you know, 
thing where we feel like, oh, if I was only, you know, five pounds lighter, 15 pounds lighter, whatever, mm-hmm. I'd be happy. I'd feel good. I'd be sexy. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like it's programmed into us. And you have to really like create a lot of conscious awareness around that programming to deprogram yourself. Well, I'm just going to say again that if our <laughs> listeners, if you want to lose weight, get a divorce. <laughs> That's the number Unfortunately, one weight Unfortunately, it comes stack. back twice, <laughs> twice the price. If you get married again, sure. But if you, you know. No, no stress, I think- stress does weird things to your body, mm. right? <laughs> yeah. Mm. No, I think enjoying life is a big part of, you know, you you cannot punish yourself because you are you think you're on a spiritual path working hard and and punishing yourself is two different things like um, mm-hmm. it's the same as what we were saying before about obsession and and discipline it, yes. it's they're two different things but yeah. they get confused very easily yeah yeah you know I'm yeah not- and something can start off as like a healthy a healthy discipline or a healthy practice and then quickly turn into kind of an obsessive compulsive tendency. <laughs> and, yeah. And food is an easy way out to show all these things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of eating problems and disorders in the world. And yeah, it's quite prevalent and, and prevalent in yoga as well. It is. And, and, you know, and it is a shame when, when people, you know, who are sort of maybe representing that, you know, it, obsessively thin population can do all of the tricky advanced asanas and get all the <laughs> likes too, right? <laughs> or yeah. go to Mysore and get all the advanced postures. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you start to then, but- make an equivalency of advancement and spiritual advancement. Advancement of asanas, <laughs> spiritual is- advancement and and thinness, which, which is a, it's a, a weird place it's to a problem. Yeah. With you know but something that's happy sh- Okay, that's a good sign. If you can, if someone's doing all that stuff and they're skinny and they're doing everything and yeah. they're happy, okay. Yeah. But I think a lot of the time what you see online and what you see in real life when you hang out is two different things. Right, it's um, true. A lot of them are struggling with food. A lot are struggling with um, the pressure they put on themselves. They're not happy literally until um, they get the likes or they have they feel that they have um, attention. Yeah. And that's, that kind of sets a spiral of losing everything again yeah. and that, you know? Yeah. One thing Shurat said about that um, on, on a tour stop at, at Stanford once is, you know, one of the, the objectives of the advanced series is stability. And he said that included mental stability. And he said he had mm-hmm. seen examples. And I was really, I was really impressed that he said this. He had seen many examples in Mysore. And of course, I knew who he was referring to of people who had achieved so much so quickly living there in Mysore, but were not still mentally or emotionally stable. In fact, we're making, creating more instability for themselves by their obsession with the advanced series and then ended up falling apart, which we've, which we've seen. Yeah. Yeah. That is, we still see that that still happens. And I think if you have a tendency to be obsessed with many things, uh, yoga is just another thing to be obsessed about. And with all of this going on, I think that's Nick's major thing to focus on. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mental health in yeah. Ashtanga. Um, yeah. I think food was one thing, but I think mental health is really important. And not not only in students, but in teachers. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of people just assume because you're authorized because you've been teaching um, that you're stable, but not necessarily because if mm. you're not doing the work, you can be yeah. making yourself worse, and then you can be affecting more people around in your classroom than than should happen. Yeah. So I think that's another major topic that should be out in the open is the mental health of of both all practitioners, whether you're a student or a teacher. Totally, and the work doesn't mean doing more and more advanced asanas. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> just just to like clarify that right <laughs> yeah it's like do the work like on yourself you know go go a yeah. little deeper than just the physical achievement part of the practice yeah, yeah. I mean being, I mean there's nothing wrong with but we also don't want to swing to the other side saying everyone who's physically advanced is mentally unstable you know right. what I mean so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's just it's just independent of well, you know what I mean well believe believe yeah. your eyes yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know another another thing that you that you brought up in in um when we asked you some questions about what you wanted to talk about before the the um the podcast you mentioned um the struggles that you've had as a as a uh, a strong female uh, Mysore teacher mm-hmm. is the is, is the issues that you've had getting and gaining the trust of your female students, and that sometimes you 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 felt that you've struggled to get women to accept taking instruction from you. And I know that Harmony has, feels very passionately <laughs> about the subject of just how mm-hmm. rife sexism is within a community that is 95% female. Ironic again. <laughs> I know. It is irony, yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not the norm, but if you've been like, you know, like you guys, you've been in a room every day, day in day out for a decade, you're going to see stuff that mm-hmm. unfortunately has, still exists. Um, yeah. it's not all the time and it's definitely not the norm, but it does happen. I mean, I've experienced both sexism, racism, um, and all sorts of issues being thrown at me. Um, but especially so when I teach alongside my husband, who is male, mm-hmm. yeah. who is white. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, it's, it's, so, so, so it's actually, it becomes very, very obvious sometimes. You know? mm-hmm. There are times that we even test it out where I would go and say something in exactly one sentence um, yeah. and see the response of the, of the students. And then we will... I would send him say exactly the same sentence. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's amazing. But... <laughs> and he's full, even amazed by it. <laughs> the wow. full the full bloom yeah, of the yeah. female response to the male teacher. Yeah. Expanding, radiating uh, uh, absorption of the of the lesson. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, the patriarchal training is not uh, it's everywhere, you know. It is, like, it is. I worked in Pfizer, as I was telling you before, and you could see it even in, in, of course, in the corporate structure. All the sales team majority are female. Mm-hmm. Middle management, female. Mm-hmm. Everything above that, male. Yeah. Whereas we, we keep thinking that, you know, authority is authority when it comes from the male. Yeah. 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 But, but there's no problem in coming to the female to cry your eyes out when someone has right. passed or you're going through a divorce. But right. if the female tells you to put your hand over there, you'd be like, why? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you better give me a reason. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's interesting, so, isn't it? I preempt it. Yeah, I preempt it. Now, every time I, I say an instruction, I already say why before the why even comes. Right? Wow. <laughs> but That's, it's just the way it is, you yeah. know? 
Yeah, it is interesting that like, you know, people are more um, comfortable or more um, confident to have to like question female authority, right? Where, whereas with male authority, they'll just take what they say as like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. But as a woman, you always have to kind of like explain or, or give a reason for why you're telling somebody to do something. <laughs> and if you if you come if you come as forcefully as the male, you would be a bitch. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's that's but that's exactly the same issue with all women in any working industry. Yeah, it's true. Um, which is if you if you are too strong in your approach, you you are a horrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you have to come with a super soft approach, which means they will question everything that you say. Which yeah. I, I I struggle with this because I'm a huge believer in supporting women um, on their journey because it's, that's what we do. We teach yoga. Yeah, <laughs> that is the, the, the nature of the job. So it's very very confusing uh, to me that this still happens, and um, I think it's uh it's good to bring it out more because I don't believe people do that realizing that they do that. Yeah, I think um, I yeah think on purpose. If you shine it's, it's a light, very yeah. unconscious. I agree. I agree. I've noticed the but same. If you shine a light on thing. it, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. some women I know that are like you know say they're big supporters of women, but then they're always like lifting up the male teacher in our community. And right. I'm always like, what? Like, I, yeah. You know, it's like an alpha yeah. female thing. Like, oh. Yeah, I'm all for the women, but I have to be the alpha female so all the other women the are man. below me and yeah. now I can just like elevate all the males around me. <laughs> it's it's really it's a shame, but I hope this over time shame. will change. Yeah. And I yeah. think um people like yourself bringing all these topics up will make people realize that even more, be more conscious of it. It's really I important. Think, I think when uh, by change you mean devolving into a kind of a Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome <laughs> kind of situation. Yeah, that's what Tina, we need more of. <laughs> Tina Turner in a kind of uh, you know chainmail uh, football uh, shell. Proud Mary going on. Proud Mary, <laughs> and then it's two men enter, one man leaves, which really is kind of reducing the amount of men in the, in the situation. So yeah, that's. That's probably bringing, where we're bringing going. Bringing up women is not putting men down. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it? I just mean I think that's probably just the most likely situation. <laughs> I think you really. I think it's uh, it's really more noticeable too when you teach with a male in the room. Like even yeah. you know when I teach with Russell, I notice the way that students respond to him versus myself mm-hmm. more than when I'm in the room alone. There's no one. Mm-hmm that they can kind of like default to and there's just not the same comparison. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) So it is interesting, Mm. but it's, you know, the other thing that I, I think is so sweet and special is that you and Manny were married by (laughs) Sherat. And I think it's just like such a unique thing because I don't think, I mean, had, Maybe he's married some people in India, but this was in Portugal, right? He married Shruti yeah. in India. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he married Shruti. I would have thought so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know he married anyone else. It's really special. I mean, I think I think it's so nice that, like, you know, you guys just have such a beautiful little, like, relationship as, you know, friends, as student teacher. He's really, like, 
that person for you who saw you, who's mentored you. And, and I think he really feels that with you as well, you know, taking you from the beginning of your practice all through like all these years. And I think he really just sees your heart and your devotion and your dedication to the practice and like that you're not in it for something. And I, and I think that's always the thing with Sherat is that he feels like, you know, he kind of like senses when students are after something. And I think with you, he just really like, you know, feels your, your authenticity and your, your devotion to the, just practicing and healing and like, you know, not Thank you like so much. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think it created such a beautiful, special like bond and, and connection between you two. And it's evident in that he, you know, was in Portugal and said yes to marrying you guys. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was unexpected, you know, but it was like, you know, I, I, for example, when I first, I was saying when I first, first, first got to um, Mysore, I, I had no idea what the deal was. I didn't, I never practiced at a shala regularly, so I had no community. Um, I just arrived by myself and started practicing and thinking it was a holiday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I, at some point it was Christmas which is my birthday. And then I was registering and I was like, oh, I'm going to go get drinks on Christmas day at the Windflower because it's my nice. birthday. Would you and your family like to come? Um, I'll get some champagne. It'll be really nice. Oh <laughs> my God. That's awesome. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for this past few months. And he was just like, um, no, I, I have something planned. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> you know and then i wow. went you know wearing the sari and off to win flower with yeah so <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny like i had no idea what myself you know what respect was or respect for a teacher or respect for it like i had no idea right um, or like even like what his lifestyle was like <laughs> nothing nothing like zero totally naive um, yeah <laughs> and then I think that threw him off guard how I naive I was. <laughs> right. Yeah. He was just like, oh, my gosh, this girl doesn't know anything. She needs to yeah. study philosophy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't have a okay. That's what happened. <laughs> That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it was, it was kind of like, you know, always been sort of like that. And then I think, um, I don't know, I never, I never had awkward moments I guess it was just yeah. uh, it was what it was and and over time spending so much time there and like you guys know you as when you teach my so you get to kind of know someone intimately without the labels yeah, the labels yeah. are irrelevant you know just by the energy exchange you kind of mm -hmm. you kind of know and you know then of course you see me practice through all sorts of issues physically yeah um and I was always very honest about pretty much everything um so even when I started dating Manuel, I kind of told him, oh, this is guy, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, who is it? <laughs> That's so funny. Wow. <laughs> and what did he say when you told oh him? Oh, my God. So we, <laughs> we at that time, were, he was on tour in London. I went to join him. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't sure. It was a complicated situation. I was like, oh, go, don't go on this relationship. <laughs> and then I kind of said it to him. I said, oh, there's a guy who's going to come, I think, join the workshop from tomorrow onwards in the mid second with us. I think he's trying to start a relationship. And <laughs> he was like, 
who is this guy? And I said, Manuel. Then he was like, from Mexico? I was like, no. From <laughs> <laughs> Portugal. Not from Portugal. And then, and then um, of course, you know, poor man, he showed up the next day. Yeah. And he was so nervous because I said, oh, I told him you were coming to chase me. And he was like, who does that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting so position funny. to put yourself in as a student <laughs> to your teacher where you kind of, you're ask, you ask permission for the, the man that the you blessing. can date. And so it's, you're really giving up a lot of authority there. <laughs> I was, I was like, you know, like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And then it was kind of like, you know, like you would share with your, your you know, your best girlfriend, but I have yeah. no filter. That's the problem. So then, then Mano shows up so and then, oh. of course, you know. It's not an so authority nervous. issue. Sharat's like a best girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. that, okay, that makes more sense. All right. And then, mm. and then you know, it was it was quite funny. Then you know, we kind of I think he saw the whole relationship evolve from yeah from the moment it started, and then after that, when when he moved to Malaysia, we opened a school together and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it was nice. That was kind yeah. Of nice. Yeah. No, it's super and special. <laughs> it was man. Actually, it was Manny's idea. He was like, you know what? We were thinking, we were going, uh, going through like the um, the civil. Ser- what do you call them? Yes, yeah, celebrant, celebrant, yeah, yeah, celebrant, yeah. And then who to hire and things like that. And we were like, this is, sounds weird. I don't know. It's like we don't connect with any of these people. Um, and then he thought, wouldn't it be funny if we asked him to marry us? And I was like. <laughs> And I was like, are you kidding? He was, well, we met through him and we met in the room. So yeah. he kind of brought us together. I was like, okay, uh, okay, let's ask. <laughs> and then he, he kind of just said, yeah, but I don't think he knew what he said yes to. Right. <laughs> um, so he goes, what? Are, yeah, and then like three months later, what do I have to do again? I was like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> You had to like like prepare him for all the things that he had to do. <laughs> yeah, it was it was okay. I said just just stand here, don't worry. I'm gonna walk down the aisle. Then you can say anything you want to say. Right. And they will finish, and then the only thing you have to say at the end is that now we're married. Yeah, and then you can kiss the bride. <laughs> nice. That was yeah. That was weird. Kissing, yeah, kissing in front of him was really awkward. <laughs> right. Yeah, because yeah, it was a non-Indian ceremony, which is very different, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, it was it was funny because everyone was doing everything for the first time, and it was just right. you know, yeah, we winged everything. It was just made up as we went along. <laughs> so I'm sure. Nice. I'm sure he totally loved it. It's wow. so special. It's so neat. You said he said something kind of like off the cuff about love that that touched you. Was it something like that? Yeah, I can't remember all the words of his speech, but his speech um, was basically all about that. He was talking about love and what it means to to find love and have love in your life. And it was it was really it was really nice and from the heart and completely non scripted, as with yeah. all conferences. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah, so it was very touching. Um, oh, I nice, beautiful. Yeah, well, he would know. I think him and Shruti <laughs> are very much in love still. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's very nice to see. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, so what's next for you? You've closed your school in Kuala Lumpur, and you're living right now in Portugal. 
Yeah. So what we did was we, we, because of the pandemic, we were not allowed to open for the most better part of two years. So we decided wow. to close the physical space yeah. and only do online for now. Mm -hmm. uh, so we kept a, a whole online system of classes right now. Oh, good. And we yeah. travel to teach. Yeah. Um, and we're figuring out a way where we balance not only um, the teaching, but our families. Right. Because because of this pandemic, Manuel never got to see his parents for or family for like three years. Wow. Yeah, um, the same for me. Yeah, you guys got stuck too, no? Yeah. A, the borders yeah, closed. No exactly. Refugee, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so we're thinking we're relooking a lot of things in life and thinking how we can still share the yoga in the best way possible while also keeping time or spending time with both families. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. my parents are much, much older, but we still have to go back and spend time with them, you know, because the priority is that really yeah. to be able to balance that out. So at when they're hitting 90, um Mano's parents are in the eighties, so also yeah. not young. Yeah. So we haven't figured out where we want to live or what what what's really gonna happen next. Um the year is still unpredictable. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we we will figure it out as we go along, um, <laughs> and take it each year or month at a time. Yeah, well, it sounds like you have a nice online thing happening, and also some workshops coming up too. Yeah, we have um, a couple coming up this year. I have yet to, to figure out my schedule because this is also one of the years now at my age where we're seeing whether we can try and conceive before it's too late. But it's, <laughs> so but my it's Manny's schedule is issue. It's not, it's not your issue, right? <laughs> we Manny, both, he's we changed his older. underwear, right? Has he done that? Apparently you're supposed no, to not no. wear underwear. Right, and you have to have <laughs> like a bag of ice. Is what's there are needed. some people in Mysore that should not wear underwear, but um, I've seen oh. things I, I did not want to see. So well, never do that. Yeah. Once like, you know a man's religion, please, you know everything. Please wear underwear, Russell. Please. Please. Is that? Oh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> didn't know. Didn't know that was my reputation. Referring to it. Mm. Goodness. Mm. Well. I hope that things go well for you guys. I hope so too. We'll see. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. either way, I think no matter what happens, um, we will keep on doing what we do. We'll keep on trying to be honest with ourselves and being okay with with whatever the mm -hmm. world has to offer. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. And and it's not so far. Europe and, and Kuala Lumpur, they're kind of close, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, not really. 10 it's hours? Kind of long. Yeah, yeah, around yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty long flight. Pretty long flight. Be better we'll than see. North we'll America see. to Kuala Lumpur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah. But having said that, I, I, I do love the States and California too. So yeah. I hope one day we get to go there and then he gets to surf too. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, we'll there's see. lots of good places to surf in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, I think... I think with all of the stuff going on, everything's so much more fluid. No one plans anything anymore. And um, I do wonder, though, what is the future of how yoga is going to be taught, whether all of this will affect everything on a more long-term mm -hmm. scale. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I think there's a real magic to in-person teaching and especially the Mysore room, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's – I feel like that is – 
an experience that will always be something of value that people, you know, seek. But yeah, I don't, I mean, yeah, I, I know how hard it is to hold a physical space and keep a physical space open and that it requires, you know, not just from the teachers, like incredible dedication and stamina, but it also requires a group of very dedicated practitioners who are willing to pay for that experience, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's it's difficult because the online online you don't have to go anywhere, right? You can just do it in your basement or living room or kitchen and and it's it's more accessible to more people in many ways. So I think it has already changed the way that we're teaching and will probably be, it'll always now be sort of an option, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's introduced a new aspect to it. But I too wonder what the future would be like for all of us. Yeah, it, it's, um, it's interesting. I think it's a it's a very interesting sort of uh, uh, tipping point for Ashtanga yoga, where you, you, I think we're in a place where we're even, con- you know, are we... <laughs> Are we having to adjust our reality to whether or not we use the word or rebrand uh, the the yoga into something else? Uh, we have this culture of you know strong adjusting and uh, to fit a a form and a model that uh, is part of the Ashtanga yoga sequence and practice, and there's a you know, there's a, a movement in our culture where we're not even sure about um, whether or not we want to uh, fulfill that traditional model. Like, what's the what is the point of of applying your discipline towards a uh, a formula when you're not even sure if um, you're not even sure if if that's an you know if it's appropriate and to be universal in that way, and so so many hard. So, so that you 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 do have that option there. You've got Sharat there in Mysore practicing a traditional method in in the Mysore style, uh, but I feel like uh, the world is maybe turning away from it and doing something a bit more personal. Because so many of us have been locked away in our personal rooms for the last two years, and really at the worst possible time for the Ashtanga Yoga brand, when it was really kind of struggling with um, the hashtag Me Too and the revelations around Patapi Joyce, do we really want to bend our bodies in this particular way for uh, this particular practice? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's a it's a very you kind of have to bend your mind around that, even though. The emotional, the emotional discipline that comes with bending your body towards that formula has value. It's just, well, do I, do I want to? Because do everyone, you need to. do you need to? And is it's, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure we're. Um, I think we might be post peak. As, as some people say. <laughs> mm. The question's out I there. Think, it's hanging. It's open. I, I, I think as practitioners, um, everything we've learned is not wasted because what you do is you get to the peak 
of then knowing how to manage your body and what you want to do with it as it ages. Mm-hmm. But I also think the the difficulty comes when you've been so trained to look after, um, keep tradition, look after lineage, and now you're right. faced with how much of now can you bend your mind to changing all of that and bringing in changes to mm-hmm. all all that structure in your head that you're meant to keep up and withhold tradition. Yeah. Um, how much can you change now? Yeah. And how much should you you change? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And how much should you change in how you teach or your approach or integrate Mm -hmm. other forms of of media and et cetera or accessing people differently? Yeah. Um, It's interesting. I mean, having said that, though, even Sharp was doing online classes during the pandemic. That's right. Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, for me, I feel like the lead class sort of lends itself more easily to being taught online. Mysore also can be taught online for sure but there's just something that's so transformative about like physical touch in a Mysore room that Mm -hmm. you know verbally you can you can give people adjustments and maybe it's a little bit safer even (laughs) but there is something that's really I don't know just kind of magical about that that kinesthetic Mm -hmm. communication that you know two people have in that sort of yeah situation in-person situation i i couldn't agree more and it's absolutely the way that i would want to teach but i'm thinking about the student who is saying you you want me to endure an emotionally uh terrifying and taxing practice (laughs) to fulfill batabi joyce's vision of a first second and third series of, of development well why should i make that choice to endure that with you and well, because well, because there's a magic to it. It's like, well, what what does that mean? What does that look like? Mm. But that depends on the teacher. Yeah, if, if the teacher is not making the student have to fulfill any exactly. idea or fantasy of anyone or need to complete any sequence, then that issue doesn't exist because it's not what is being translated in the room. No, no, I want you to grab your ankles. <laughs> We're gonna. This is what we're here to fucking do. But I don't. I don't know that. I mean, as a teacher, I think that's the whole point: is that it's not about you. It's about exactly. the student and what the student needs and what the student is there for, not about what you want for them. You have to like. Yeah. I the want them to point. do Marichasana D. <laughs> fucking do it. It's a good thing you don't travel and teach with me anymore. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm just saying, like that's how. That's yeah, how exactly. we do Ashtanga yeah. Yoga. Is you, fucking, you get the bind, put them in the bind, do it. Like, and that student is saying, "Is like, why should I listen to this guy? He's an asshole. He wants me to do something that I don't even understand." But they don't say that about the male teachers. We've already established that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They just do that's it why, and stop functioning. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was Where's gonna Harmony say. And I? Yeah, I uh, was gonna say you that. To, I was gonna you have say, to kind of explain yourself. Yeah, being well, a, no, a no. female. But Joyce wasn't all bad. No, that's being what you're a, in the position of. No, being a female teacher though lends lends itself to like the co-creation of like the teaching agreement, right? And mm-hmm. and in a way, it already has embedded with it a more, in my opinion, um, like relational, sort of therapeutic. Um, form of teaching because students don't 
necessarily feel like that um, patriarchy or that sort of Mm -hmm. um, enforcement, you know? And so even Mm -hmm. though, you know, before we were sort of saying it's annoying as a female teacher to have to like always come up with the reason why and explain yourself and and approach in like this very, you know, nice, nice, unoffensive way. Yeah. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, I think it holds within it like like a key to students being able to have a voice for themselves, which they may or may not appreciate. <laughs> but Toppy Joyce yeah. didn't want me to have a voice for myself. What the? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's an interesting. It is an interesting a, stage di- we're in. It's a dilemma. <laughs> a dilemma. You know, <laughs> it's you have bifurcated choices, and it's yeah. It's mm-hmm. and I think the student has an extraordinary amount of power and autonomy now that as Gen Xers doing Ashtanga Yoga, we're not comfortable with, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's interesting. I love how you speak for all teachers and all Gen Xers. Are you, are, do we not agree? <laughs> we do I fucking agree. I can tell you, this is why we were there. You know, all, two, all 200 of us. <laughs> all 200 of us. Exactly. <laughs> oh. Well, no, I think there's so much of it is going to, I think it's, there's so much growth and I don't think every, every time is an interesting time. There's always something happening, you know, totally. but at the end of the day, if you take out all the complications, the, all the, the movements in the States mm. and mm-hmm. um, everything that's going on all the time as we evolved, as long as all of us are always trying to be good people, the, everything becomes irrelevant. Yeah. Whether mm. you're good or bad at asana, whether you're good or bad at philosophy, whether you've been there ten <laughs> years, one month, one day, I don't know what year you went, when that all that yeah. stuff becomes irrelevant if, as long as we're just trying to be good people. And it's really as simple as that. Yeah. Even as a yeah. teacher, you could say that if you have an ethical moral center, then what you're teaching and how you're teaching is uh is uh relative. Yeah. Yeah. For example, if yeah, you were, you would do the same. If it wouldn't matter to you if some your student was doing fourth, um, and not so nice, <laughs> you would you wouldn't you would not be impressed. You would just yeah. not. Yeah, you, yeah. You know? yeah. But the, if they're doing fourth and nice, great. But mm-hmm. it's the same regardless of whatever it is they're doing. It's just whether they're nice or not in the room, or nice or not outside the room. Yeah. Yeah, mm. that's the most important thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you're one of the nicest people outside <laughs> and inside the room, Yan. <laughs> right back at you. Right back at you. Well, for uh, if you'd like to, if you could stay on the line, we're going to do a, a another mini interview where you teach us about cryptocurrency. So, <laughs> those of us um, who want to listen to that, you can stay on. But um, thank you, Yan, for um, this time. This really, I really enjoyed getting to know you and meeting you. Yeah, thank you, thank so, you so much. much for having me. It's been really fun. And it's so nice chatting to you guys. You yeah. as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow One
watching the breaking waves There's a hard wind and the soil